0: Earl was telling me, time out, we're going to start over. Brother Earl was telling me that uh, at their work they do calisthenics before work, right? It just gets you ready for the work day, doesn't it? And uh, we need to do calisthenics. So here we go. Say it. Amen. All right. Amen. All right. Do you feel better now? Come on. you got to help me out here. All right. It'll go a lot faster. This is a participation sport somewhat. <laughs> So I picked up my XDS-45, amen. Amen. amen, and I went downstairs with it. And I'm creeping down, and I'm looking back at my dog, and he's still laying there looking at me like, whatever. And I went down, our stairway split, and it went down a back stairway. It was uh, into the kitchen, and I I flipping lights. I did everything wrong that the NRA tells you to do. You're supposed to go in a closet and call the police, and I didn't. And I went down, and I flipped the light on, and wouldn't you know, there's plates all over the kitchen floor. One of the shelves in one of the cabinets, the, the little shelf uh, pin broke and everything came smashing down. And when you looked at it, I mean, there wasn't a lot broken, surprisingly, but there was some broken. And uh, you know what it's like to clean up glass, right? You pick up the big pieces and you get everything very carefully and then you'll sweep a little bit. And then what do you do? You look around. Did I miss anything? Because who has ever stepped on a shard of glass? Oh, is that annoying. It really is. And uh, you sweep and you sweep and you sweep and you look again. and Because that one little shard can cause a lot of pain. Hey, whether you realize it or not this morning, sin does the same thing in our life. One little shard, one little piece that's undetectable, one little 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 thing that you just don't quite see there. I'm telling you, if it's left there, it'll it'll fester in your life and it'll create a lot of pain. Well, when we come to Second Kings or Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-four, we're coming to a new king. In both Second and Chron- Second Chronicles, and both recorded again in Second Kings, we're coming to a new king in Israel. If you remember, Hezekiah was a wonderful king. He had a little bit of problem there, but he. Uh, he uh, had a little hiccup in his life, but he was a great king. He did a lot of great things. He came on the scene and began to clean up Israel and clean up the temple and got rid of the idolatry. And anytime anybody does something like that, it's an amen. I'm telling you, sometimes people have to come, pastors come into churches and they got to do like a new king like Hezekiah did in Israel and start... ...cleaning out things and getting rid of garbage and things like that because it's left. But this is how Hezekiah was. Man, he was a good king and after him, his son came Manasseh and he wasn't so good. Manasseh was born in those 15-year period that he asked God for more years. And God granted Hezekiah more years, but in that period, Manasseh was born. He was not a good king. Yes, at the end of his life, he got carried away into Babylon. And yes, I'm thankful for the grace of God because he humbled himself in Babylon... And, and with true uh, humility and repentance. And God even brought him back to Israel to reign again at the end of his life. And he said then he knew that the Lord was God. And he had a relationship with the Lord God. But he messed up a lot of stuff. But after Manasseh came his son Ammon. Now Ammon was a bad king. And he was such a bad king. He only reigned for about two years in Jerusalem. And he did not last very long at all. If you would see, I believe it's... Uh, uh, well you could see second uh, Kings 21 you could go there and see I believe it's in second uh, Kings you can see it in chapter 21 go back a little bit second Kings 21 uh, verses 19 through 23 it says that we're talking about Ammon and he walked second Kings 22 21 verse second uh, Kings 21:19 and Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign and he reigned two years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was uh, Mehuuleth, the daughter of Heruz of Jotbah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh did. And he walked in all the ways that his father walked in and served the idols that his father served and worshipped them. I'm telling you, there's a danger in getting right late in your life because your children have watched you. Yeah. Can I remind you? Remember, um, Jehoshaphat was another great king, right? But he spent too much time with his cousin Ahab. And what happened to Jehoshaphat? His son ended up marrying Ahab's daughter, and he had a lot of problems. Be, be careful. Be careful who you hang with, right? And it says, he walked in all the ways, verse 22, and he forsook the Lord God of his fathers, walked not in the way of the Lord, verse 23, and the servants of Ammon conspired against him and slew the king in his own house. What an awful way to go. and. Uh, it says in verse 26, he is buried in the sepulcher in the garden of Uzzah and Josiah, his son, reigned in his stead. So when Josiah became king, think about this now, Israel had been away from God. It had been into idolatry for 55 years now, 55 years. They've been away from God. Josiah's dad was completely e- evil. He was completely wicked. Josiah became king. Watch this. He had no example. He had no example. Before him of what godliness looked like He had no example in the land Of what it looked like to walk In integrity of heart To walk, look like, to see what it looked like to walk With God The temple was closed down Idolatry was all over the land When Josiah became king He didn't know what it was like to grow up Going to the temple every week He didn't know what it was like to have nightly devotions He didn't know what it was like To, to study or to have And to know the, the, the Bible standards And the law Oh, of God, like so many of, uh, of people in this our own nation have grown up with today, the nation was filled with idolatry. And here is this little eight-year-old boy, Josiah. He's a new king over Israel. With no background, no compass, no help. Yeah. Don't tell me your circumstances are too bad for you to serve God. Don't tell me you didn't get enough to believe God. Yeah. Josiah began to seek after God. You look in Second Chronicles and Chapter 34. Second Chronicles, chapter 34. I believe Je- I had Brother Jim read this for us. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left, for in the eighth year of his reign, so it makes him 16, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father, and in the twelfth year, he's 20, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. He began to uh, begin uh, fr- from the high places and from the groves and the carved images and the molten images. Josiah began to seek after God at 16 years old. Why? Why did he do this? Well, we don't know. We don't know. There wasn't much example for him to follow, right? There wasn't much for him to see around him. Yes, he knew his lineage, no doubt. Yes, he could see the temple there. No doubt there were still some godly people. Hey, listen, jo- uh, Jeremiah, if you, wa- if you really delve into history, Jeremiah might have only been two or three years older than Josiah. They may have been in school together. Maybe Jeremiah had some impact on Josiah. I don't know that. But here's what, what may have happened, which may- could have been in Josiah's life. Maybe he realized the emptiness that that he lived in. Maybe he understood what the, what it was like living in the destruction of a nation and that, that feel, watch that feel and that spirit of what it's like to live in a place that has been destroyed because of sin and idolatry. Maybe he knew what it was like to live in the filth of idolatry and the filth of sin and the filth of wickedness. Maybe he looked around and he saw the condition of a nation that forsook God and he wanted to know him. May hey, does that mark do you remember the day when you came to that realization? Maybe you grew up like that. Maybe you grew up without any without any help in the Word of God. Maybe you grew up in your life and you didn't have a parent to teach you the Bible. You didn't have a mother to sing you songs of the Bible. You didn't have uh, dads to teach you memory verses and say prayers with you when you went to bed again, uh, when you went to bed every night. All you knew was the emptiness that you lived in. What you knew was living in the aftermath of destruction of how people destroy their lives apart from God you might have become tired of the filth of sin that you grew up in and you said I don't want anything to do with this I don't like this life it's not a good life hey some of you were forced to live in the midst of someone else's destruction of sin and filth and and it was empty and there came a time when you didn't want that for your life you didn't want the emptiness because you knew it You knew it far too well. And at 16, Josiah began his walk with God. At 16, Josiah, why? I don't know. But something happened where Josiah says, I want to seek God. That word seek. He said, well, yeah, just like hide and seek. I love looking up words. That word seek, it means to practice, to study to follow. Now listen to this: to seek with application. He sought God with application at sixteen years old. I noticed a a post on Twitter this morning from a a man, a pastor I know very well, out in Texas, and he had a photograph of him and this young boy, thirteen year old boy. He said. Uh, Just hanging out with so-and-so. Led him to the Lord. What a joy it is at 13. He has no family in church. He has no parents that are coming along with him. And he loves the Lord. And and he said, the ministry doesn't get any better than this. I'm telling you, it doesn't. Josiah sought God. He sought Him. He sought Him. He began to follow God with application at age 16. And then at at age 20, four years later... Josiah begins to clean out Israel. In verses 3 through 7, Josiah travels every quarter of Ju- Judah to utterly destroy every visible marker of idolatry and we have them everywhere he began to destroy the groves up in the high hills where they would plant trees in such a way uh, to, to uh, create areas and places of worship to their idolatrous gods he began to uh, take out all of the carved images and the uh, little idols that they would carve and make and he began to destroy them and in, uh, in verse 5 Josiah uh, uh, began to uh, began to um, dig up. (laughs) Let me say it that way. Josiah began to dig up what couldn't be seen. Look at verse 5. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars... And cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. What did he do? He went and dug up the bones of these idolatrous priests. Wait, the idolatry that couldn't be seen to the, to the public. The ones who were, the, who were leading the way. He dug their bones up and burned them on, look what it says, their altars. Boy, he wanted rid of them, didn't he? He wanted nothing to do with it. Look at verse seven, and he, and when he had broken down the altars and the groves, and had beaten the graven images into into powder, and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Listen, he didn't come back to Jerusalem till he got it all done. He didn't come back to Jerusalem till he got through every corner and every hidden alleyway and every high grove and between in in every little forest where the physical idols were, where the places of worship were, even anything that was connected to idolatry. Josiah left nothing standing. He wiped it out and got it out of Israel. Boy, I tell you what, that is And amen. Yeah. Look at verse 18. I'm sorry, verse number 8. His 18th year. He's 26 years old. What's he begin to do now? He begins to rebuild the temple now. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah... Uh, the governor of the city in Joah, uh, the son of jo- uh, Joahaz, the recorded repair, the house of the Lord his God. I love that. So often in the Bible, you'll read somebody say, the Lord thy God. The, the person's a Jew, but they're talking to another Jew. They're saying the Lord God thy God. And I like this here, because uh, jo- um, Josiah is saying, it's saying the Lord his God. His God. It was personal. It was personal. He began to rebuild the temple. He began to clean out the idolatry in the temple. Uh, Before we move here, I've got to show you some things that are in order here that come when somebody began to seek God. When somebody starts to seek God, notice what, what is going on in the order. He begins, number one, by destroying everything that is not God. And then secondly, he begins to rebuild what is of God. He takes out, wait, number one, you get rid of everything that's not God And then start building everything that is God. Hey, listen, it's pointless to go and repair a house that is full of termites when you don't get rid of the termites first, right? You talk about a waste of time and a waste of money and a waste of energy. You say, oh my goodness, we've got termites. Look at this under the house. Look at this in the walls. And you come in and you spend $100,000 to repair that house. And you say, boy, you know what you've done? You've just created a new buffet for your termites, yeah. No, get rid of them first. Get rid of the idolatry first. Get rid of the sin in your life first. Just start, hey, day one, just start getting rid of everything. How many remember that day when you got saved and you went home and you just started throwing stuff away? You just start cleaning stuff out. You just start saying, hey, you just said, well, oh, I'm done with this and done with that. Hey, you know what? It wasn't really that hard because you didn't want it anymore. Why? Because there's something better. And it was Jesus. Amen. This is what Josiah is doing. Notice I want you to show you something else of an order. He destroyed the idolatry and the sin before worship. They that worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. Listen, if you're living in sin, you're living in your flesh, and you can't worship God in the flesh. He doesn't accept it. You're not worshiping Him. Say, well, I'm not perfect. I know that but we have an indwelling Spirit of God. And when He brings something up, that's why we have a wonderful time of prayer before the preaching starts. Maybe we should start it before we even start singing. Search me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. I don't want anything to get in the way of what you want to do in my life and my heart today. Now listen, you destroy the idolatry, you destroy the sin, and the worship gets free, and the worship gets, gets deep, and it gets wonderful. I want you to notice one more order here, what Josiah did. Josiah's cleaning house is what always comes after a heart that's turned to God. Did you notice this? His heart turned after God first. And when the heart was right, he began taking care of everything that wasn't right. Hey, it's what Asa did. It's what Hezekiah, his great-grandfather, did. It's what he has done. It's, what Je- uh, it's really what Jehoshaphat had done in some way. Listen to me this morning. The evidence of a heart turned to God is a life that hates what God hates and loves what God loves. Amen. I'll tell you this. Listen to me. You will know more about a person by what they hate than what they love. Right. We had a president one time that hated this country. Yes, don't you mistake it. Yeah. And you can tell more about what somebody hates. You can tell more about them by what somebody hates than by what they love. David said, I, I hate all of your enemies. He said, God smashed their jaw and knocked their teeth out. I mean, he was a little rough about it, right? right? You know what God wanted to see? Hey, uh, that, was, that, was, that was a right heart. David loved what God loved, but he hated what God hated. Oh, would God grip our hearts again, that our heart would get right with Him, that we'd hate sin, that we'd hate the idolatry, that we'd hate the wickedness, that we'd hate the prince of this world, that we would hate it. Get your heart right. Listen, you get your heart right and your hate will be right. And it's hey, it's not going to be against people that God loves. It'll be against sin. It'll be against sin. What is He doing? He's following God With application. Right? How many say, I'm following God, but nothing gets changed in their life. That's not following with application. That's just lip service. Wait, I think there's another word for that. That's religion. Religion. Notice what he does here. Not only does he open up the temple, he begins cleaning it out. Cleaning out the temple, go back to second kings chapter twenty two we 're going to get where we 're going here real quickly second kings chapter twenty two we'll see it here again the eighteenth year of his reign he 's twenty six years old now he began to repair the temple. Right And in chapter 22 in verse 8, look what it says here. They found the book of the law. Look at verse 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Well, that's a good thing to do with the book of the law. Amen? That's a good thing. Read it. Read it. But not only that, here's what you're going to find out. Not only are they going to read it, but they're going to apply it. They're going to apply it. They're going to bring it here to Josiah right, in verse 8, and Josiah in verses 10 through 13, He now he wants to know what it means. They brought it to Josiah, they read it, he says, what does this mean? Look at verse 10, and Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, look at this, that he rent his clothes. Wow. I wonder how many of us approach the Word of God with this attitude. No, we've got like five of them in the house. They're just like commonplace, aren't they? I've got four stacked up there, three in the house, four in boxes. We've got them all over the place. And how often, as the preacher said in Ecclesiastes, God, you are in heaven and we are on earth. There is a, there is a difference between you and I. And there's a difference, there ought to be the way we approach him. There ought to be a difference the way we approach the Word of God. Josiah rent his garments. I tell you what, he was in mourning, he was in shock. Look at verse 12, the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe and Isaiah the servant of the king saying go ye inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. Boy, wouldn't our churches change if we all approached the Word of God and said, wow, we've not been doing this. Hey, wait, we've not been seeking God with application. No, we've been reading it. We've been spouting it out of our mouth to people at will. But there's been no application. Would God we approach the Word of God again with with the attitude of Josiah of we haven't been obeying it. We haven't been obeying it. Notice in chapter 23, would you please? They go and it gets recited to them. The prophets say, hey, judgment's coming, but not in your day, Josiah, because you humbled yourself and you have a heart for God. It got back to Josiah, judgment's coming, but not in your day. So then in chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, Josiah makes a covenant. Listen, and the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king uh, went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priests and the prophets and all the people both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. Yeah. The Bible was the center of his life. The word of God was the center of everything he did. Can I tell you the difference between a liberal and a conservative? Whether it's in politics or whether it's in church, there's one document, and the liberal does everything to go against it and to rewrite it and to change it, and the conservatives say, it's, it's settled? Leave it alone. Leave it alone." The one that one you know what Josiah said here. He said essentially, "Leave it alone. Now let's figure out how to obey it." Let's figure out how to do it. He gathered them all together. And the king stood by a pillar. Look at this. And made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people stood to the covenant. Not only did Josiah come on and seek the Lord with application, not only was the seeking of the Lord made visible by his cleaning out of, of, of all of Israel, by getting rid of the idolatry, uh, seen and unseen, by opening the temple, by restoring the, the place of worship, by cleaning it all out. But not only that, he found the word of God and he said, we're going to live it and not only that, he said, I'm going to make a covenant before all of these people and you're going to make one with me. Right? He took a specific day. He took a specific place and he said in front of the whole audience we will serve God. Does that sound familiar? I think Joshua said that, didn't he? As for me and my house we'll serve the Lord. You know what made Joshua such a different leader? Essentially Joshua says do what you want to do, Bubba, I don't care. We're serving God. That's a leader that you'll follow. That's not a leader that pushes you into it. He listen. Sometimes listen to me. Sometimes with your children, you just got to go. Well, hey, listen. We're going to serve God. I hope you come along. But uh, if you don't come along, it doesn't mean we're going to stop. Yeah. Joshua just moved on. Josiah made a covenant. He made a covenant. He was living. He was seeking God with application. And you know what he did after the covenant? He just started cleaning up again. I mean, the guy was relentless. He was relentless. In verses 4 through 15, he takes out... I'm just going to go through them. We don't have time. He takes out the, the vessels of Baal and he destroys them, those, all of those drinking cups that they were used for their idolatry. He takes the vessels of Baal and he destroys them. The idolatrous priests, he takes them away from being priests. He takes the groves that were set up in the temple. They're in the temple. I'm telling you, don't tell me we don't have things of idolatry set up in our churches. Yeah. Sometimes the biggest idolatries are sitting in the pew. Self. He took the groves out of the temple. Look at this one. This one will preach. Took the sodomites out in verse 7. <laughs> yeah. I better not. They need the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Are they reprobate? I don't know if they are. I I believe a lot of them are. And they've lost their opportunity of salvation, but that's not for me to know. Not at all. You read Romans 1. Well, you look in our country today and you see where some of them are. You can't tell me they're not at the end of Romans 1. Yeah. There were shops. There were stores where people made hangings for the temple. He got rid of the stores. Right? Get your idol stores out of here. You're closed. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm enjoying this, okay? I think it's awesome. Now, this is sickening. In verse 10 of chapter 23, they get rid of Topheth. What is that? It's, it's, it's a place in the valley of Hinnom. Remember Nehemiah and the gates? What was at the valley gate of Hinnom? Went down into the valley of Hinnom. It's where they burned the trash. It was where the fires were burning at old times. What was, what was there? What, but what was Topheth? That was where they offered their children to Molech. That's where they took their live babies and threw them on a fire until they died. They said the droning of the drums were nonstop, so it would cover up the screaming of the children as they threw them into the, into the fire. Don't think we're any better, friend. They're ripping babies limb from limb while they're alive. Yeah. I think, hey, listen, friend, we may need to get, get into the Word of God and learn how to live in a nation under the judgment of God. Because it's going to get worse. Yeah. What did he do? He stopped the abortion. <laughs> he stopped it. I could go on. The verses 11 through 15, you can go look at it. What was he doing? He was leaving no stone unturned seen or unseen, even unto the most famous kings of Israel. Would you look at this? I believe it's in verse... I've got to go down here to find out where it is. I lost it. Yeah, here it is in verse 13. In the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of of the mount of corruption... Right? It's actually the Mount of Olives. Mount of corruption. Turned it, Solomon turned it into it. Listen, which Solomon the king of Israel had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. Uh, hey, listen, Josiah came up and said, I don't care what a big name you have. I don't care what a great king you are. I don't care how good of a temple that you built. Listen, you, you set up a place of idolatry and we're going to get rid of it. I tell you what, there's some big name preachers. Ah. They've got a lot of big things they've done. A lot of great churches. and They've got thousands upon thousands that are coming in and out. And I'll tell you what, somebody needs to cry out against them. Because they're going, listen, they're going, a, they're going a wrong way. They're going a bad way. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That's a pretty good king, friend. Could you not conclude by the actions of Josiah that when the word of God said he was seeking after God, he was seeking after God with application. Yeah. I want you to show you something in verse 16. I'm going to finish it up. He's the, the glass is all over the floor of Israel. He's cleaning it up. He's picking up the big things. He's sweeping up the little stuff. He's looking under things and getting everything that's dirty and anything that looks like a, even as a semblance of a piece of a shard of glass, he's sweeping it up. I want you to show you Look at this in verse 16. You get them in your mind, you see what he's doing? just going through the land finding everything possible would you look at verse 16 and as Josiah turned himself look at that imagery he's moving he's going through the land he's getting out the idolatry he's just he's still on a mission right look at this verse 16 and as Josiah turned himself he spied the sepulchers where were in the mount that were in the mount, there in the mount, and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord which the man of God proclaimed who proclaimed these words. Do you see him? He's going through out of the land of Israel. He's sweeping things up on the floor and he's looking around and all of a sudden he goes, Oh. Ah. Clean them out. Clean them out. He almost missed them. He almost missed them. What is Josiah doing? He's cleaning up the last sliver. He is leaving nothing on the floor. He is looking under the cabinets. He is looking under the stove. He is looking under the refrigerator. He's, he's looking under the table. Right. He's, he's pulling the trash can up and seeing if there's a shard under there. He is upturning the entire, the entire nation, seen and unseen, looking for every last shard of glass that needs to be cleaned up. I love it. Yeah. He wasn't content just to get the big stuff out. He wanted to get everything out. He wanted to get everything. What was he doing? It was intense, intense scrutiny. He was, the eyes, hey, the eyes, the eyes were squinting. He was looking afar. He's trying to, what's that? My grandmother at the time was about 90, sitting in her wheelchair and saying how much she couldn't see. I can't see nothing. She didn't have her glasses on. I can't see anything. My aunt's sweeping the floor, and she said, you missed the spot. <laughs> My aunt can hardly even see it. She's like, what are you talking about, Mom? It's right there. Thought you couldn't see. Boy, she she had eyes of scrutiny. Sitting there with the back, in the glass door. Is that a dog running across the field? I'm like, I can't tell. How can you see that? You know. Josiah was looking. He was looking. He was finding every last sliver of idolatry and sin. That would cause a problem later. Uh, uh, that would cause a problem later. See, because he wanted God, he didn't want anything that was not God. Boy, that's good. Yeah. Even if I did say it. He wanted Him. See if he had left it it would have been a sore reminder. If he had left that sliver right, it would have continued to fester in Josiah's life. And in Israel's life. And Josiah had such a heart for God he wanted everything cleaned out. A few months ago I had an accident on my machine and broke another windshield anyway and I really like it without a windshield now <laughs> it's much easier to get in and out of now and in the seat of this skid tractor machine skid steer I had glass just from the I'm going to push I'm like, Ugh. so I got out and, and your pastor is just brilliant he's brilliant and I had no gloves on and I just all of a sudden started dusting the seat out and yep, 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 glass, glass. You know what? It's still in there. <laughs> and the thing of glass, those of you who have maybe gotten metal, shards of metal, I mean, it's, it's metal you can kind of work around and push out. Glass doesn't work out because it's like square, right? It's not a long, thin sliver of metal. Somebody told me that, I think Brother Martin told me the other day that he had that happen and it had calloused over and then it worked out the top of his finger. I'm like, well, that'd be cool, you know. But glass doesn't do that. Can I tell you something? I have dug at this. I have taken a knife out and cut into it. I have dug away at it. I know it sounds, it's all right. And I'm, it's still in there. It's still there. Why? Because somebody left some slivers on the seat and didn't use gloves to get it off and listen, it's in there can I tell you, listen, if Josiah had left that it would have been a sliver embedded into the life of Israel into the life of of, of Josiah and what would have happened he might have gotten calloused over it might have really affected his life later but watch, what drove him Did did, did he think of all of this oh boy, this is like a shard of glass I better get this out of here Did he think that? You know what I think motivated him? He loved God so much that he wanted nothing, nothing, nothing in his life that wasn't God. See, if you don't get everything out, your attention on God will be distracted. Do you know how many times I've got something on my mind I'll hit this just right like, oh, yeah, that's still in there. Yeah, just worming around making a big chasm in my finger. <laughs> distraction. How many have a besetting sin that's just a distraction to the relationship with God? Yeah. It's kind of like kind of like weeding a yard you can come in and mow the weeds down, right? Or you can pull them up by the root. Well, it takes more time. I'm sure it does. Right? But the return on investment is much better than just mowing them over. Some of you are like, yeah, just to mow them over. Because <laughs> I don't care about my yard. Yeah. Festering. Pain, irritation. No, on the outside there's a lot cleaned up. You love the Lord. Oh, you love the Lord. You look back at your life and you're so thankful for the Lord who brought you to. I'm telling you, you went through the land and you got rid of a lot of idolatry, a lot of sin, a lot of things, a lot of vices. But there's that one sliver. That's hiding up on a hill somewhere. And if you what well, if you if you don't stop and squint the eyes and look around trying to find it, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Question. How badly do you want to know God? You got enough of them? You're like, oh, this is good. How driven are you to follow God. How driven. Josiah was pretty driven wasn't he? Yeah. Do you know. This life of Josiah right here. Th- this very, very life here. God said this is why. Josiah lived this way. Because he wanted to know him. Over in Jeremiah, you don't have to turn there, but over in Jeremiah 22, in verse 16, God is speaking to Shalom, who is who is uh, Josiah, I said, yeah, who is Josiah's uh, son, who's now reigning, and he's not doing a very good job. And God tells comes and tells him, and that He's speaking to him, that he's not living like, He said, you're not reigning, you're not living like your father, Josiah. In verse 16, God said this to Shalom, about Josiah, his father. He said, he judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well with him. Was not this to know me, saith the Lord? Why did Josiah do all that he did? It wasn't just to check off a religious box. It wasn't just to look a certain way. It wasn't just to, to get the accolades of somebody in your group. He did what he did. He drove out all of the idolatry down to the last sliver because he wanted to know God. And God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And Listen, when we allow slivers to fester in our life, it's a distraction that keeps a distance between us and God. Josiah wanted God. Yeah. Do you? Do you want Him that badly? Do you realize Josiah you want to know how many years he was doing this? Ten years. From 16 to the dedication of the temple, I mean to the opening, reopening of the temple, and then more cleaning out, that was ten years. Do you realize he, he did this all the way up, it seems to like when he died at about 39 years of age? You will not have the relationship with God like Josiah if your mentality is, well huh, it's good enough. It's good enough. Most of the people around me think I'm doing all right, so it's cool. Got a lot of respect. Yeah, people. Yeah, people even ask me Bible questions. This is great. I love it. Yeah, good enough. Good enough. It's really not a good attitude Good enough No just stop Think that through Good enough For God Right We say good enough About something that is That is less than important Than something else Right When I'm working on my truck I say yeah good enough The work I just did on my truck matches the dent on the bumper, the dent on the side, the missing mud flap, and whatever, good enough. But the attitude of good enough towards God, that should be kind of frightening. You say, I do want this, but how? How do I I get here like Josiah? Well, Psalm 51, David had just sinned greatly. I mean, it was, it was bad. Bad. Yeah. Beyond adultery. I mean, just took everything that God had given him and thrown it out. Murdered. He's got a child of fornication now, of adultery, born out of adultery and fornication. It's bad. It's as bad as it gets. And what did David say in Psalm 51? He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, David at one point had a right spirit with God. God said, he's a man after my own heart. And when David came to the the absolute lowest pit of his life, oh no, friend, it it wasn't Goliath. It wasn't any, any enemy he had ever fought, and it was his own flesh. It was his own flesh. And he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What do you do this morning? could be that you just need to go to God and say, would you change my heart? Would you create in me a clean heart, O God? A heart that wants to find every last sliver that you point out. Number two, do this. Psalm 139. Search me, O God. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God. Know my heart. What is he saying? God knows the heart, but what's he saying? Make it known to me. Try me. Know my thoughts. Wow. Now he's getting deep. Change my heart, God. Change it. And now search it out and find anything. What is he looking for? Every last sliver. Every last sliver. Do you want him that badly? Really, it consumed most of Josiah's life. Think about this. It consumed most of his life. He wanted God that badly. And he knew, I can't love God and love the things that God hates and have that relationship that I want with Him. Our Father, thank you this morning for a great reminder we're so thankful, I think so many in this room just rejoice. They absolutely rejoice in what you've done in their life. I rejoice what you've done in my life. I rejoice in the growing process and where you've brought me and where you've brought others and how far we've come along and where some have started and where they are today. It's just a glorious, glorious thing. But Father, not only Are there ones in here that want the heart of Josiah? I don't know if I could say this with words emphatically enough that you deserve us to have a heart like Josiah. You're worthy, O God. You're worthy. So, our Father, would you begin that work in us today that we would be a church We'd be a people that lives a life walking of uh, walking in circumspect, looking for every last sliver that you put your finger on. That has no, that that is that doesn't represent you whatsoever. And Lord, that we would, uh, as we see those things, as you show us those things that we would have the heart and the desire and the longing to say, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. Or did you do that today? Would you start that today? Maybe there'll be some, some here this morning that will do as Josiah did on that, on that one place at that one time and put a stake in the ground this morning and make a covenant. Maybe you'll make a covenant with God today and say, I want a heart that looks for every last sliver that might get between me and God. Father, we ask you to do that work today in Jesus name. Let's stand if you would please. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you. You have a place where you can pray. The instrument's going to play and you have a, a seat right there you can get down with the Lord and pray with him. How many how many want to say your heads are bowed? How many would say I don't know how it's even possible, but I do, I do want a heart like Josiah. I do want a heart after God. Yeah. Yeah, I don't doubt that a bit. Don't doubt that a bit. You may be looking over your life, and maybe the Holy Spirit is pointing something out in your life this morning. Today, today would you drive a stake into the ground and say yes? Would you ask God this morning to help you to have eyes of circumspect, that you would look around, look around, have a life... That searches under every last nook and cranny to find anything that is not of God. Hey, listen, it may not be the big vices, they may be gone out of your life. The sliver might be bitterness, the sliver might be unforgiveness, the sliver might be uh, just uh, an anger, uh, just quick to anger. The sliver might be unthankfulness. In gratitude yeah. I know this the Holy Spirit of God can tell you exactly what's going on if you'd ask him would you ask him today would you do that this morning search me O oh God create in me a clean heart O oh God and then search me and find any wicked way in me can I tell you not only does our relationship with God need this but the community that we're attempting to reach needs this. Yeah. Hey, this community, they have enough. They have enough of religion. They have plenty of religion. They have plenty of people that live supposedly a religious way. What the world needs to see are those that are so in love with God yeah, that their life is marked by it and you can't miss it. May God help us in that. We close in a word of prayer this morning. Six o'clock tonight, we'll be back, and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, have a great afternoon, and uh, we're going to be closed in a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Bob Healy, Bob Healy, would you close us in a word of prayer this morning?